Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Yes, you may, you may stand in the house of the Lord or be seated if you feel like it. So, we are living in a time where people devalue the importance of going to church. I mean, church has been a staple part of my life. It's where I learn how to pray. It's where I learn how to lead. It's where I learn how to fight spiritual battles. It's where I learn how to walk out my faith. Church should be essential in our lives, not optional. Amen? Amen? It should be essential in in, in our lives. It's where where I learn how to pray and and, and lead. I, I just look back on my life to see how much fruit that was produced by going to church. Do you know when we devalue something that's valuable, we miss out on the fruit that it produces? Yeah, I remember as a teenager, I worked in a, a sneaker store. Love that job. It's a great job because I get to I get to have all the sneakers that came out. It was awesome, right? And so I remember the Michael Jordans came out. I had the first pair of Michael Jordan sneakers. I had all of them that came out. It was great, but I was just, I was a knucklehead because I didn't take care of them. I used to scuff them up, or I would give them away, right? I didn't value what I had. And then now, if you look back now, those retro Jordans cost about what? Eric would know, like 100 grand, 50 grand, 70 grand. It's like, oh my God, I missed out on the fruit of that, right? I did not take care of them. Right? I didn't know what I had. Sometimes we don't value what we have, and we don't value where God has us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if all of us value being in the presence of God together? What will happen in this place? What will happen in this place? We value being in the presence of God because wherever God's presence is, oh my God, change happens. Change happens. Wherever God is present, it is holy ground. It is holy ground. Turn to somebody and say that you're standing on holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. So when you're standing on holy ground, that means something is about to change. God don't, don't God just don't show up for no reason. He come, he shows up and he expects things to change. Things to change in his image. If it's not of God, by the time he gets done with it, it's going to be of God. It's going to look like him. Amen. So that's an encouragement. When the Lord shows up in your life, trust me, by the time he gets done with you, you're going to start looking a little something like God. You're standing on holy ground. When, when um, uh, God appeared to Mo- Moses from a burning bush, he said, wait, wait. Take off your sandals, because where you're standing, it's holy ground. He wanted to make sure that uh, Moses had reverence. He wanted to make sure that he knew the importance of where he was standing. It is holy ground. It is holy ground. It was a holy ground moment for Moses. Amen? 
It was a holy ground moment for Mo, uh, Moses. So a holy ground moment is an invitation or a revelation from God. It is, a, it is God's offer that to, he, it's God's offer for us to go into a new place. It is a marker of transition. It's an invitation to pass through something. It is a place of assignment. When you are standing on holy ground, it's an invitation for God to do something new in your life. Turn to somebody else again and say, you're standing on holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. See, in order for you to receive what the Lord has for you, you have to value where you are standing. If you come to church, you just say, ah, you know, we're supposed to come to church. I'm going to come to church. It's a good idea to come to church or whatever. Then you're not going to really receive anything. You might receive a hello for someone or whatever, but you're not going to really receive what the Lord has for you. But when you come here with expectations, right, if you come here with that reverence that God is looking for, like when you walk into church, I'm like, man, I am standing on holy ground. I came here to change. I, I came here to receive what the Lord has for me. Man, you will walk out here different. See, God tells us to come as you are. Believe here, change. <laughs> Anytime we enter into his presence, we come as we are, believe change. Amen? You're standing on holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. And so I started this uh, series or talking about Saul a couple of weeks ago, and we actually talked about how, the, how Israel devalued God as king. So they asked Saul for a king, so God gave them, they asked Samuel for a king, so God gave them Saul. And so I feel kind of bad for Saul, you know, because he was never anyone's choice. As a matter of fact, God prophesied that a king will come out of Judah in, in, in Genesis of 49, right? So, so why would a God, right, why would a, a God, right, um, anoint someone as king knowing that he's going to fail. But that's what Israel asked for. God's going to give you what you ask for. If you reject God as your king, he'll give you another one. <laughs> right? If you reject him as your king, you're going to get what you ask for. Amen? So I kind of feel bad for Saul because he failed when he, before he even got anointed. That's pretty bad, huh? <laughs> so, so our text here today is, um, so Saul and his, and his troops um, were in battle with the Philistine, but, but they were afraid of them, so he, they started to hide. So, um, so Saul and uh, Samuel apparently made an agreement that Saul was to wait seven days until Samuel get there so that way they can seek the Lord together for victory over the battle. So, you know, Samuel is a prophet, so it was actually God's instructions for Saul to wait seven days until Samuel get there. So essentially he had to wait for God to show up. Amen? Amen. And so Samuel was, I mean, Saul was very impatient 
So he didn't wait. And so he sinned by usurping the priest's role. So he, he, he went and he did the whole offering and things like burnt offering himself was not his role. He needed to stay out of grown folks' business. He wasn't grown enough to do that. So Samuel arrived. He was like, Saul, what, what have you done? What have you done? So because Saul disobeyed, he lost his kingdom. You know, one of Saul's downfall was he, he did not value Samuel's mentorship. I mean, Samuel, he was he wanted Saul to succeed. As a matter of fact, when, when Saul lost his kingdom, Samuel wept. He, he wept. I mean, God was telling him, Samuel, you need to get over yourself. You need to let Saul go. Like, he really cared about Saul's success. And that's hard when you're mentoring, some, mentoring someone, when you care more about their success than they do. That's not healthy. And so that's what Samuel was experiencing. Like he cared about Saul's uh, success more than he did, more, more than he did, right? And so, so God told Samuel to get over it. So here's the important part here, what I discovered during my meditation on this uh, text here. So God instructed Saul to wait seven days at a place called Gilgal. It's a place called Gilgal. See, Gilgal was a holy, was holy ground. It was a place of change. It was actually a place where the Israelites in, in the book of Joshua right, got circumcised and they celebrated the Passover for the first time in, in the promised land. Right? So it was a place called Gilgal. It's where they were set apart as, as God's people. They were changed. They accepted the invitation to enter a new place. So I looked up the word Gilgal, and it has several meanings to it. But one of the meaning, meaning that, that I looked up was it means rolling. Gilgal is a, means rolling. So in Joshua 5, 9, for the Lord said he had rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. <laughs> Some of you not getting this right now, but I'm going to help you out a little bit. We're going to go a little further, right? We're going to go a little further. So before the Israelites could enter into the promised land, God had to roll over the reproach for them to make them worthy. So he had to roll over the shame. He had to ro roll away the shame, the guilt, right? The, uh, the, the way that they view themselves, right? The, dis the disapproval, the disappointments. He had to roll over the reproach, right? Because re uh, a reproach changes the way we see ourselves. Sometimes we see ourselves out of the guilt or out of our sin, out of the guilt and, and shame of our life. So, so God had to roll over, roll away the reproach. So you may be in a place of uncertainty right now. What the Lord is saying to you, just wait about seven days, I'm going to show up.
Because what I'm doing in your life right now, I need to roll away some things in your life before you enter into a, the new season in your life. Are you with me? God needs to roll away some, some things. Amen. He needs to roll away some disappointments that you may, may have. Maybe some failed relationships. He needs to roll away before you enter into the new place. See, the thing is, God had to change them before they enter into the promised land. Yeah, so this is what the Lord is doing, right? This is what he's doing in our lives. So sometimes we don't, we don't notice God is working in our lives, but he, he is just doing something. He's rolling some things away before we enter into the new season. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we get impatient. We, can't, we don't feel like waiting for God, but he is moving. God is moving in our life. He's rolling some things away. He's rolling away the reproach in your life. Come on, is that? I think that's pretty good. That's just holy. So your, so your Gilgal is your, holy, is your holy ground. It's your holy moment right now. So you may be in a place of Gilgal right now, but this is, it's your holy ground. It's your holy moment. It's an invitation to enter into a new place. It's your marker of transition. It's your place of assignment. It's your invitation to pass through something. God is calling you to pass through something, but he said, before you can do it, I need to roll away some things. Amen? Because you are created new. I got I to gotta pass. got to old things have to pass away before you move forward. Are you with me this morning? Oh, man, somebody needs to get excited this morning because I'm really excited. God's rolling some things away. God's rolling some things away in your life. It's an invitation to roll through something. Just wait. Just wait on God. For seven days, God is speaking to someone right now. He says, wait seven days. Seven days. I'm going to show up, and something's going to change. Something is going to change. Because God is about change. Do you know that? God don't want us to stay the same, right? God's about changing something. As long as you are living on this earth, God expects all of us, all his children, to continue to grow in Christ and to become more like him. See, transformation is not a change brought about simply doing good or approving behavior. Because change have to happen on the inside. See, that's just a cover-up. If we just try to be more like Christ on our own, we can't do that. It's just a cover-up. We can't do that just by doing good deeds, right? It's just a cover-up. So I remember when we brought our first home, it was a, a, it was a 1959 39, sorry, 39, that's even older, 39 Dutch Colonial. We loved the house. It was beautiful, but it was old. Everything about it was old, but it was beautiful, but it was old. I mean, we had a furnace. I'm not even exaggerating. It was like this tall and this wide. It had stuff wrapped around it. Right? Anytime, I mean, it seemed like we had to call a repair guy, like every month. He would come there and was just like, looking at this thing, he's like, I can't do anything with this. They don't even make these any longer. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with this thing. I can't even fix it. So everything in the house was old, but it was beautiful. So even the walls were, were old, right? You know, so my wife, anytime that, it feels like every time that we had a get together or a party or something, she wanted me to paint. 
inside, the outside. She wanted me to paint. So I noticed, right, every time that I painted, right, it did, it, every time that I painted, it didn't change the way the wall looked. It was just new paint on old walls. Yeah. <laughs> it was new paint on old walls. That's the same, right, approach when we try to just um, do good deeds or try to be like Christ on, on our own. It's like putting paint on old walls. Yeah. Right? What God wants us to change from the inside. It's not about doing good deeds. It's not trying to change your behavior because we can't do that on our own. We can't be like Christ on our own. It's that, it's that moment when you sit at his feet when change happens. It's when he starts speaking to you. A amen? So you can't escape those times, spending time with the Lord and expect God to change you. He would change you in his presence, spending time with him, reading his word. That's the time where change happens. Are you with me? Yes. Otherwise, it's a cover-up. So no matter how much I painted those walls, it was just cosmetics. It was just something from the out outside. Amen? And so, so, the, so the results of that, when people rolled by our, our house, they saw new paint on an old house. <laughs> new paint on an old house. And that's us, right? When we try to change on the, on the outside and not the inside, people will see uh, they, they, they won't see Christ lived out in us. It will be something that's manufactured. But genu genuine transformation is different. An inward change occurs when we allow God to fill those damaged holes. Those damaged holes. Okay, so three ways how we can wait for the Lord. Three ways to wait. Three ways how to wait. On God. Are you with me so far? You having fun? So the first one, it says, it says, we must remain in God's word. So the word must be planted in our hearts. So we need to study it. We need to speak it. And we need to obey it. We need to study it. We need to speak it. And we need to obey it. Right. So we study the word and then we speak it. So it's just like you meditate on the word and you speak it and you speak it. You speak it over. You speak it to God. So the way that you you um, spend time with the Lord during your devotion, when you speak the word, uh, the word back to, to the Lord, it's the same way when you face crisis. You speak the word back to God. It's the same approach. It's the same approach. So you speak it. You speak the word of God and you obey it. John 8, 31 says, Jesus said, if, if you continue in my word, <laughs> then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Yeah. So it's a lot here that Jesus says, if you continue. We had an issue with that, of continuing. So you don't just stop at salvation or you don't you don't you don't just serve God or read his word when things are going well or even when you are in crisis. No, he says to continue in my word, continue in my word. That means air day. day. Somebody say air day. day. You ain't say it right. Say air day. day. Air day you continue in his word. You don't take a break. 
and reading the word of God because it, it bears fruit because it says, if you continue in my word, then you are really, uh, truly disciples of mine. That means other people will see that you are a disciple of Christ. Yes. It's yes. not just new paint on old walls. Yes. Yes. Like you're truly new, you're tru truly a disciple of Christ. That's another fruit there. Then he said, you will know the truth. Trust me, the enemy is going to speak lies to you. You must know the truth. The people, people you love may speak lies to you. You must know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you're going to believe the lie and you're going to follow it. Oh, is anyone going to go with me? It says you must know the truth. <laughs> and this is the best part here. Because when you know the truth, it will make you free. It will make you free. God is about freeing his people. He said, let's go to, into a new place. Right? It sets people free. It changes hearts and attitudes. And then eventually, our behavior. It set us free from bondage, shackles, depression, Anxiety, the word of God sets us free when we get into our hearts because we start believing the truth, what the truth says about us. And we start walking in the truth. We say, no, anxiety, you can't live here anymore. I got way too comfortable living with you, but you can no longer live here anymore. I, I bind depression right now. You cannot live here anymore. I've been too comfortable living with you, so I, I cast you out right now in Jesus' name because the word of God says I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. He says I'm free. So break the shackles. Break the shackles in my life. See, you know what Saul's problem was? He listened to the voice of strangers too much instead of the voice of God. You know God still speaks? He still speaks. No, he didn't lose his voice like Laura did, right? Like he doesn't need a miracle. God doesn't need a miracle. Like he, he still speaks. And he's willing to speak to you. God's always pouring out. But we must be in a position to receive it. So he still speaks. He speaks in a variety of ways, right? For some people, they hear audible voice. Maybe they're better Christians than us. I have not heard God's audible voice yet. But I know he speaks to me. It's the impression that, that he puts on me, right? So I know that he speaks. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't stand here today if God didn't speak to me. So he does, he does speak. And, and Jesus says that my sheep will hear my voice, and by no means they will follow a stranger. So we were taught at an early age, my parents is like, do not open the door for strangers. So when someone knocks on the door, you say, who is it? Do not open the door to a stranger. So that's, that's part of our problem is sometimes we follow strangers. Yeah. If we don't hear the voice of God, you will follow a stranger's voice. Do not open the door for strangers. We must recognize when God is speaking to us and we must 
follow his word. We must continue in this word or, or else we will follow our insecurities. Or we will follow depression. Right? Or we will follow friends that don't follow God. We will follow friends that don't have faith. Amen. We listen to family members that don't believe in the Lord or don't follow his word. Don't follow a voice of a stranger. Because God, Jesus said that my sheep, that means all of us, hear my voice. And by no means they follow a stranger. So that proves that if we're not hearing the voice of God, we're following the boogeyman. Come on. Just got quiet in here. We follow a stranger's. So we, God doesn't want us to follow strangers. God wants us to continue in his word and to follow him. Him. I've noticed some people follow movements that aren't moving. God ain't in it. God ain't in it. It's nothing like a move of God. <laughs> it's nothing like a move of God in your life. Amen? So the, so the first one is to remain in his word. And the second one is remain devoted to him. Devoted means that I take away my vote. Whatever God says, I'm going to do it. I don't have a vote in a say. So Saul should have, should have, should have realized that he didn't have a vote. If God set, tells us to do something, we need, need to obey his word. We don't have a vote. Amen? Amen. So God will not consult your, your feelings. You know that? Like God would never consult. When he tells you to do something, he's not going to consult your feelings. He's not going to be like, hey, you know, if you feel like, um, you know, healing someone today, if just... You know, if you feel like it, just kind of put your hand on, on them and just kind of pray over them. But only if you feel like, I understand you may be having a bad day. Right? No, that's, 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 not, that's not our God. That's us. Right? So God's not going to consult your feelings. He's he calling you to, like he, you know, I had to go through this in my life. Trust me. You know, when God called me to, to preach his word, right? You know, I, you know, I was expecting God to understand what I was feeling. Like, God, I don't want to do it. Why are you making me do it? It felt like a punishment. Like, why, God, why are you calling me to do this? Someone else, you could grab someone else to do that. Why me? I felt like he was picking on me. I'm just being honest. I felt like he should, under, he should have understood what I was going through. God, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't messing around with my feelings. Go, boy, go do that. Just go on up there and preach. I will be with you. Right? So God, if God's calling you to do something, he is not going to consult your feelings. Just obey him and wait for him to show up. And wait for God to show up. He is going to show up. So, so here, so Saul, for, for Saul, it's just required a small gesture from him. But it had major uh, ramifications. He lost his kingdom. All he had to do was just wait on God. It was just a small gesture. 
just wait for seven days. He didn't wait, so he lost his kingdom. I believe most people wait for God's big opportunities to come our way. We look for big events that bring him glory. But what about the small ones? (laughs) The small moments when no one sees your obedience and your devotion to him. So I'm guessing like what we consider big moments, right, in, in God, that he considers, he doesn't, it doesn't impress him. I think when we, when we wait for all these big events or big moments, right, to, to, to obey him, he, he's just like, you know, uh, that, that, that doesn't, doesn't impress him. It's the small things that brings him glory. Yeah. It's when you love someone, right, right, when you love someone despite of them. <laughs> in spite of them, right, when you love them in spite of them. Right? That gives God glory. When you're kind to people, it gives God's glory. When you give to people, it gives God's glory. And no one else sees it, but he does. It gives him glory. It gives him glory. So we have to move from the big events in our life into the small ones that give him glory. It's that, it's that life, it's that personal life that should give God, God glory. Are you with me this morning? So it's the small gestures. So God uses seemingly small gestures and people consider as nobodies to accomplish his purposes. So I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the boy, the boy, you don't even have a name, the boy, two fish and five loaves. Two fish and five loaves. That's what we know him as, two fish and five loaves. He gave that over to Jesus and it became a big deal. Small gesture that became a big deal. It fed over 5,000. Right. It gives gave God glory, gave God glory. So we need to shift our focus from big events that brings God glory to a life that brings God glory. Colossians 1.10 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing, increasing in knowledge of God. So the third thing. So the first first one was we need to remain in his word, right? These are ways to wait on God. We remain in his word. Remain devoted, right? Somebody say devoted. Say, I take my boat away. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. And then the second, the third one is to remain steadfast. To remain steadfast. 1 Corinthians 1558 says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the Lord. So steadfast means you are firmly fixed in a place, you're immovable, unwavering, amen? The word of God should be your anchor. It should be your anchor, amen? Prepare for any storm that come in your way. It's like no matter what comes, I'm not moving. 
I'm not moving from this boat. Whatever storm that comes, I'm not, I'm, I'm not changing. I'm not wavering. I'm immovable. I am not going to move from the place that God has me. Because wherever God has you, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna show. It's your holy ground. <laughs> it's your holy moment. God's going to do something in your life. He says, you stand in your position. Stand in your position. So being steadfast means you choose purpose over preference. <laughs> so if, we, if we're honest, as all of us are honest, we are in church, right? And so all the preachers are looking at you like, you know, Bob, Pastor Lewis, and, you know, Joaquin, all the, all, you know, Pastor Steve, Pastor Yolanda, they all looking, they all looking at you. They watching everybody, turn around preachers, look at everybody. <laughs> so, if we're all honest, we all have preferences. Yeah. Like for me, I prefer my coffee really hot. No, you don't understand. It's bad. Like, I, I don't think like the restaurant workers really like me when, <laughs> when I walk in because I ask them to, when they bring the, the cup of coffee to me and, I, and it's, I can tell that it's not hot and I ask them to, please, can you bring back something hotter? You know, some response I got was like, I, don't, I can't do anything to it. What, it's, it's hot enough. I don't know what else to do. This is, this is a fresh pot, right? So I have an issue. It's like I, pref I prefer my coffee really hot, right? Um, so I know it drives people crazy, but that's just that's what I prefer. So we all have certain preferences, right? You know, kind of the way our, we want our life to be. Yeah. The way we think our life should be, right? But, but God... But God wants us to choose purpose over preference. Yeah, good. Purpose over pre preference. That means that purpose is what God puts you in. Preference, preference is what you choose. <laughs> right? But however, however, there is a higher form of life. There is a life above preference that pulls out of us gifts that we didn't know we had. It's called purpose. It's purpose. Purpose is what God puts you in. Preference is what you picked for yourself. Preference is, is what, what got us in trouble in the garden in the first place. I mean, Adam had it good, right? God said, hey, no, hey, you run all this here. All this here. All you have to do is not touch this tree. He was to rule over the entire garden, Right? But he chose preference over purpose, and he lost the kingdom. And that's why we're all in trouble right now, right? Because he chose purpose over preference. Purpose is what you must allow God to choose for you. Mm. So I'm going to ask you today, what's it going to be? Is it going to, who's, who's going to get their way today? You or God? The choice is hard. So preference, purpose over preference. So God's calling you to do something incredible in your life. He wants to use you in such a mighty way. But you have to wait for him to show up. He has purpose in your life. How many know that God has a purpose in your life. Amen. It's time to find out. 
This is a great time for all of us to sit at his feet and ask him questions, get to know God more and get to know ourselves more because he will give us purpose. He will, he will give us purpose. Preference is choosing the busyness of life. But choosing purpose is when we sit at his feet. Are you with me? So in closing, you may be in the place of Gilgal. It is your holy ground moment. It is an invitation to go into a new place. It is your marker of transition. It is your place of assignment. It's your invitation to pass through something. It's your moment today. You know, I feel bad for Saul. I believe at Gilgal, he missed his moment. Because if you do your research on how successful or, or how the Israelites broke through bondage and all of that, it should have encouraged Saul. Like he didn't realize where he was standing. He didn't realize where he was standing. All he had to do was wait for God to show up in his life. I mean, he should have remained in the word. He should, he should have remained devoted to God. He should have remained steadfast while waiting. Waiting is not like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and wait. No, waiting, you have to do something. You have to continue to worship him. You have to continue to be faithful to him. You have to continue to seek him. So he's telling you to wait for seven days. Just wait for seven days. Wait for seven days. And I'm going to show up. But that waiting is when God does his most work in your life. Yeah. It's the waiting when he starts changing things. He's rolling away some bad habits. Yeah. He's rolling away unforgiveness. He's rolling away shame. He's rolling away guilt. So you can move into that new place in your life. You're standing on holy ground. God's present. You're standing on holy ground. What are you expecting this morning? What are you expecting this morning? It's your holy ground moment. This is your holy ground moment. What are you going to do with this moment right now? This is your holy ground moment. Are you going to receive the invitation? Are you going to accept the offer that God's given you to go into a new place? It's your holy ground moment. See, at the beginning of Saul's call, it was an invitation to go into a new place in his life. He did accept, but he did not continue in God's word. God's rolling some things away. 
Stand with me. He's rolling some things away. He's rolling some things away. It's your holy ground moment. When God shows up, things change. When he shows up, just, just things change. That's why we just need to be in his presence and allow him to do what he needs to do in our lives. Hallelujah. I hope you got something out of this today. I don't want to be like Saul and not realize what season that I'm in and not realize where I'm standing. I don't want to miss my moment for God to move to bring about change in my life. I don't want to miss that moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise.